This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen, Amen. amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, You look good. Come on. And you look back and you say, you look even better. Hey, you look better. Good morning. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. I see some faces that I don't necessarily recognize, but we welcome you. I'm Pastor Kevin, and I love having you present. Uh, If you want to get to know us better, uh, see one of our pastors, and we will connect with you as well. Uh, Today, I want to announce, I want to push, I want to emphasize Jingle Jam is next Sunday. And yeah, we are excited. Christmas season is here, and we're excited to be able to, to encounter and to share Christmas with you in this way. And we invite you to join us in one of our many gatherings. At this point, uh, the 12 o'clock and the 3 o'clock are already full, so the 9 o'clock has space in it. Um, if you have not signed up today, I want you to go on, make sure you go do so, fill up the slots that are there, but there's also a waiting list, and we want you to make sure you, you sign up so that we can fit you in somehow, some way. We don't want anybody to be turned away. So we're really excited about this. It's going to be 9, 12, and 3. Uh, you may be coming for the, how, how many are coming for the music? How many are coming for the drama? How many are coming for the cookies? Yeah. How many are coming for all three? Right? Good. We're, we're going to have a good time, and we're excited about it. Uh, this year is, uh, we, we do remarkable. Our team does remarkable, and I'm so proud of them. Uh, we got home last night late uh, from our son-in-law and daughter's Christmas Christmas event in Forest Grove. The youth pastor's there, and our granddaughter was in the program, and we pulled in. I mean, if you know me, 11 o'clock. I mean, I was in bed by 11.35, and my alarm went off, and I, like, snoozed. And I was, like, going, dear Jesus, can I just, can I preach from bed this morning? Uh, I didn't think it would go over very well. So I'm here. You're stuck with me. I I didn't send a recording or anything like that. But uh, in our Above and Beyond series, everyone say above and beyond. Yes, uh, we're, we're finishing up the, 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 the series, official preaching series, Above and Beyond today. Uh, but can I tell you that the concept of Above and Beyond never ends? It's a concept that should be part of our lives every moment of our, every day, every moment that we breathe. Uh, why? Because God is a God of above and beyond. He has been, always been, and always will be. And so we want to be more like Him. Today I want to preach a message on oppositional mindsets. Everyone say oppositional oppositional mindsets, and uh, we're going to come from that angle today. Uh, But before we do so, let me give you the definition above and beyond. Actions or behavior that exceed, everyone say exceed, that exceed what is required or even expected. You know, how how many like it when someone goes above and beyond for you? You know, they don't, just go to the, they don't just go to the limit, but they go above and beyond. I remember lending our car to a person a while back, and uh, they didn't just put gas in it. They vacuumed it out, and it needed vacuumed, and they washed the outside of it. They went above and beyond. Can I tell you, when, you, when we talk about this concept of above and beyond, as believers, as Christ's followers, that should be every, every angle of our lives, not just in our giving, but in our attitudes and in our serving and not just in the church, but how many know that it should be your attitude on the job, right? The way that we're going to be noticed is by our behavior in the world, in the community. 
But today, as we talk about oppositional mindsets, uh, opposing mindsets, how many realize today or how many have recognized today that your thinking can be your very worst enemy? How many have discovered that, that you're thinking, how you think about society, how you think about culture, how you think about yourself, how you think about your spouse, how you think about your child, how you think about your church, all those things that they can be your very worst enemy. That if you're not thinking the right things, if you're not establishing healthy boundaries or healthy mindsets, your mind is going to be in, compos- is, is going to be in, in constant struggle against itself. I ask you today, what is it that you set your mind on? All throughout Scripture, Paul is written about where we place our minds, but Paul particularly in Colossians, he says, set your minds on things that are above. Set your mind on things. What I love about that passage of Scripture is it it right directly tells me that I have control over where I put my mind. I have control over where I put my thinking, that I don't have to get stuck in stinking thinking. I don't have to get stuck in all the process of, of going down the, the, the drain in how I think. I have control over that. And uh, many of us need that in many areas of our lives. But when I think about opposing mindsets, I think of this concept of different opinions. How many have different opinions? When I think about different, different mindsets, we have different beliefs, we have different convictions, we have different backgrounds, we have different cultures. Shock, shock alert right now, news alert right now. How many know that we are all different and that we all think differently? We're not, we don't, we're not all going to agree. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not always going to agree with you. But I want us to realize this very thing. There's a concept in God's word that's called repentance. Everyone say repentance. Repentance is, is in relationship to people, but most importantly to God. When we think about this concept of repentance, it means that I'm going to change the way I think, I'm going to change the way I behave, and I'm going to agree, my, I'm going to agree with my actions and my thoughts and my behavior with him. We think about this thing of setting our minds on things that are above as we come back and go, we may not agree with one another, but can I tell you that us as Christ followers, we must always be laboring to agree with him. We must always be laboring to be walking in alignment to setting our mindset on what he sets his mindset on. Amidst the many things that are challenged, that we are challenged with in our thinking, whether it's just the concepts of society today, One of those is money. Amidst the many concepts, one of those is money. And can I tell you today, as we've looked over the last several weeks, money is one of the most talked about concepts in Scripture. Whenever we talk about money, we immediately come up with a particular mindset of what our background and our culture might shape us to think. We immediately go back to a a, a mindset that I would say is probably our sinful nature that says, well, what about me? It's mine. Right? Right? Isn't that the truth that whenever, I mean, you, you think about two little children and they're, you're saying, you need to share, and, and they reach out to kind of do, hand the toy or whatever, and then they go, no, it's mine. Can I tell you that's how we as Christians are? And it's that process that God's going, no, it's not yours. We need to share. Proverbs eleven twenty four shows us a mindset, a, a, a mindset uh, comparison. One person, everyone say one person. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And one person withholds unduly, 
and comes to poverty. Both ends of the spectrum. Two different mindsets. The one says, I'm going to come and I'm going to give with, with generosity. And I'm going to come and I'm going to hold. Today, we have many mindsets in this room. Some that are willing to give and some that are holding and some that are giving and, hold, and pulling back. And all the spectrums in between. But the reality is this, is that our mindsets shape us, change us, and limit how we live. Our mindsets, how you think and how I think, shape, shape our behavior and shape our actions and shape the outcome of our lives. I've realized the older that I get, I don't like limitations. And I don't like the limitations that are coming as I get a little bit older. Anybody recognize the limitations that come, whether the limitation is in hearing, whether the limitation is in eyesight, whether the limitation is just extra weight around the middle? But I realize this very thing is that there are limitations that all of us face, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, relational. Uh, I've come to the place of realizing that I'm not a God or I'm not God, that I am reliant on somebody else. I am not self-sufficient. There's someone that's bigger than me. And I know at times that I can allow my limitations to hold me back or rather than propelling me forward. Today, I believe in this concept of money. Many of us allow our mindsets to hold us back, to limit us in how we perceive and how we give and how we live with what God's given us. Sometimes, many times, the limitations that you and I face are limitations here, not in reality. They're limitations in our mind. They're limitations in how we think. This concept of mindset is this, the established set of attitudes held by someone, the outlook, the philosophy, or the values of a person, the frame of mind, these mindsets, how many know that your mindsets, how you think, impact your actions, they impact your behavior, they impact how you live out your life, they impact how you perceive what's going on around you. Right. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. The only person you are destined to become is the person that you decide to be. Can I tell you today, in this room, God has uniquely fashioned and formed every single one of you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has the ultimate goal for you. But how many know that each of us individually have to come to a place to say, God, I'm going to decide to let you to fulfill your purpose in my life. I'm going to decide to live my life in such a way that you're going to be glorified to the fullest extent. The desperate need that all of us need as we talk about this concept of mindset is a passage of scripture that we're very familiar with. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul writes, he says, do not conform. Do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern. Do not conform to the thinking of this world, but be transformed. Everyone say transformed. Can I tell you the most important thing that happens in us in a daily life as believers is that we are continually being transformed into the thinking of Christ Jesus. It's the importance of prayer. It's the importance of reading God's word. It's the importance of hearing a message and saying, God, I need to be no longer conformed to this pattern that I'm used to, but be transformed by this pattern that's a little bit foreign to me. says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your thinking, the changing of your mindset. 
by human nature, we come back and we want the me first mindset. Last week, as I think of Joel Slater, as he did such an amazing job in bringing his message, but he used a particular uh, phrase that I'm like going, man, I'm going to use this next week because it fits my message. I told him that I was going to, but he says, if, everyone say if, the big if, this is choice. If you take care of what God cares about, he will take care of what you care about. Can I tell you that this quote is by all purposes a changing of mindset? If you change your mindset and take care of God, what God wants first, he's going to take care of what you want. It's changing your mindset from the self-absorption to selfishness of how we normally live as, as people, as humans. This entire series about giving is so much more than just a topic of generosity or money or, uh, or, uh, or tithes or offerings. This idea of generosity and giving are ultimately having a vision for what your life is impacting and can impact. It's a mindset. Today, I want to challenge you with this comprehension of, this, of a mindset. Generosity is as, as well as this thing called vision of being able to see into the future changes the mentality and the trajectory of our lives. It changes how you live your life. It changes how you walk it out day to day. Vision is what you reach for. Vision is what God calls us towards. Generosity is a lifestyle of our giving that has a vision of something that's otherworldly. When you and I give, it's not, we're not, when we give to the church, when we give to God, we're not thinking on this planet. We shouldn't be thinking about this planet. Can I tell you what happens is that so often we give with the intent to go, well, if I give, God's going to give back. If I give, God's going to bless. If I give, can I tell you the whole heart of giving is to give because we're investing in an otherly world. It's not a here and an instant gratification. It is investing in something that is not always able to be measured, it's being, but it's being recorded on an eternal reader board. We're talking about more than this moment or the next moment. We're talking more than the tithe check you wrote this week or the offering you might give today. We're talking about the continued impact on lives into eternity. That is the vision. That is the changing of a mindset. It's not just for the moment of saying, God, I'm being obedient to you. Can I tell you that sometimes that may be what it is? But can I, I want to stretch you today in your mindset to go, it's not just about this step of obedience. It's about the future. It's about what I'm doing. It isn't just about a financial gift. It isn't about a monthly budgetary item. It isn't about a, a, a pledge that you give. It isn't about the tax write-off at the end of the year. It isn't, it isn't even about patting yourself on the back for self-gratification that you gave. It isn't about the building fund or a a program or a speed of light car or benevolence or translation of scripture or a missionary or even tithe itself. It is about the person and the people that your money is impacting for the kingdom. Ultimately, giving changes the direction, the tra tra trajectory of your life, but even more so than just your trajectory. Can I tell you that your giving changes the trajectory of the person sitting next to you? Is changing the next generation? Is changing our community? Is changing the world? Man, that's a little bit lame out there. Does that not excite you? That what you do week after week out of obedience is doing something supernatural. 
Think about it this way. The generations, the giving of the generations from the past, they were people who had vision for tomorrow, not just today. They weren't just giving out of obedience. They were going, no, we're giving because there's a future. We want to empower something later down the road. I think of across town at our South Campus. Do you think that, especially with our South Campus, do you think the people that planted our church in 1950, do you think they were thinking 60 years in advance? Their mindset would be blown probably today to see what God has done. I can tell you this, Pastor Noel Ravan, as he was the founder of our South Campus, he would come in every once in a while when I first took over the, the church, and we would talk and we would visit, and he says, Kevin, I never, I had the vision to plant the church, but as I come in here to go, I never had the vision for three services. I didn't have the comprehension of what God was going to do, but yet they gave out of vision. They gave because they knew there was something greater. The generations over the 60 years, those who have built our South Campus, built our East Campus, built onto South Campus in 1986, those who've remodeled both campuses, those who, who have re-roofed and repaved, those who are uh, people who, who were giving to immediate need, but where they, they were also giving to a dream for Salem. Just like you and I were presented, are presented today with an investment opportunity, they were presented with an investment opportunity. And they said, we want to invest in the kingdom of God. I wish I understood worldly investments better than I do. Can you imagine back in the day if people would have stepped into Microsoft when it started, when they're like going, oh, this is just a stupid little computer program, and no one's ever using computers. What about Apple? What about Costco? Can you imagine these people that stepped back and began to invest at that moment and the wealth that they acquired? And oftentimes you and I can understand and grasp this concept of an earthly wealth or an earthly income or an earthly investment. But I want to tell you today that Jesus himself invites us to the greatest investment opportunity that ever existed. He comes in Matthew chapter 6 and he says this, do not, I want to tell you how to invest your money. I want to tell you the best return on your investment is this, don't store up yourselves treasures here on this earth. Don't put them in barns where the rats can come. Don't put it in where the moth can destroy. And I would say today in our current age, don't just put it in the place of where there's the instability of economy and all the things that are happening and the fluctuation. And I'm not saying come back and say, don't invest for your future that's practical. But can I tell you, your greatest form of investment, just like Jesus said, is this. In verse 20, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's saying the best return on your investment, not just for my body, but for you. He says, but you store up your treasures in heaven. You plant them in heaven. He goes on and he says in verse 21, he says, for where this valuable thing is, where this treasure is, where this investment is, there your heart will be identified also. Can I tell you today that this is where the conflict comes in in our mindset? Is we come back and go, well, no, I see that principle and I want to, but yet I want this over here. And God's going, I just want your heart. I just want your heart. As I step back and I ponder and I think of all that Relevant Life Church has done. Previously over there, South Salem Assembly of God. And before that, it was some full gospel assembly. And I can't think of what the name of it was. I was looking this week at all the documents. Here, this church was 
has, has taken it, this, this building has had its journey as well. But I step back and I begin to think about this and go, the reason that you and I have what we have today is not necessarily because you and I have invested in this today. It's because the generations before you have invested in it. The generations before have been faithful and steady and giving regularly every single month and faithful to God, storing up treasures in heaven that would impact this earthly kingdom that you and I have. Today, all of us are benefactors of the people's past investments. But can I tell you that unless you've been here, unless you've been giving, unless you've been part of all the journeys, you're reaping part of the benefit, but you're not reaping the reward of the investment. You're not getting the return on investment today as we move forward, why I think this is so vital and so important, as you look around this room and we see the generations, there's, it says there's seven generations alive on the planet, five generations probably in this room if we were to take back, or in the building at this moment. And I step back and go, are we thinking about the next generation? Do you realize that your giving, just like someone else's giving has impacted you, your giving is going to impact the next generation? Your giving is going to set up success or failure. Today, moving forward, we are also offered with the same investment opportunity of Jesus. Every time you give God's tithe, every time you give your offerings that are above and beyond, every time you serve, every time you bless a student for a camp or a scholarship or an OKC, OYC or OKC or a building campaign, every time you come to a, a, dessert, a dessert auction and buy a pie, pay an exorbitant amount of money, can I tell you this? You're making an investment. You're making an investment. It's not about what you are reaping here on this planet. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Joel Slater, if you care about what God cares about, he will care about what you care about. A change of a mindset. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 is a change of mindset. Solomon, as he writes here, he says, honor the Lord. Everyone say, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth and what, with the best part of everything you produce, the first fruits of your crop. Then he will fill your barns and grain to overflowing, and your vats will overflow with good, good wine. Can I tell you, this is a classic scripture of if you do what God wants, if you'll pay attention to what God wants, God will do it. He'll care about what you want. This concept that is there that we need to present it with. When we think about this word of honor, honor the Lord. Honor refers to a public acknowledgement to come and go. You know, I think there was a day, I, I know I've been in congregations where they would, and Jesus even said it, the, the, the baskets were in the front of the temple and they would come and they would drop their money. It was a public, public behavior, not to bring glory unto themselves, but it was a public recognition to go, I am honoring God. I'm honoring God. Part of what's missed out in our electronic age, which I'm so thankful for, and I don't, I, it's been beneficial. But can I tell you what happens is that in the middle of honoring God electronically, we're not thinking about what's going through our fingertips into the offering plate. We're not doing it a public thing. It's just done secretly, and it has to come back to, we honor the law, we need to honor God publicly in how we, how we give. The first fruits, I love this idea of the first fruits, the best part, the choicest part. How many 
are people that like to give leftovers. How, how, let me ask you, how many like leftovers? I'm not a leftover person. Like, I'll eat, I will eat Thanksgiving Day and I will eat Christmas Day, but the leftover food is like, send it home with the kids. Ugh. Maybe eat the turkey, but mashed potatoes the next day. My wife, I mean, we're talking 36 years of warring. That my wife just, I, she loves leftovers. I'm like going, no, fix me a fresh meal. I want something fresh. But this concept, God is a God that wants the best. God's a God that wasn't, doesn't want leftovers. He doesn't want just an afterthought. God wants the fresh best. He wants the first fruit. He wants it to be the most, the most, the, the most sacrificial. He wants you to realize that, no, I'm, that I'm counting on God to produce a greater crop after I give what I give. God, I'm giving out of faith because I'm giving you the first fruits. God, I'm giving out of faith because I'm giving you the first 10%. And God, I'm expecting you to come up with the rest. When we think about this book of Proverbs, especially chapter 3, Proverbs is the challenge of the mindset, a mindset of our culture. This concept of will I honor God or will I honor myself? This chapter begins with an encouragement for the readers to embrace the contradiction of terms. Are you going to honor God or are you going to honor you? Are you going to do what God wants? Are you going to care about what God cares about so he can care about you? The book of Proverbs often uses alternating patterns. As in other parts of the Proverbs, the term wisdom implies as an ability to act according to godly knowledge. When you look at the chapter 3, the entire chapter, chapter 3, is about is Solomon writing, he says, and he's writing it to his son or to his student, but primarily his son. And he's saying, if you want wisdom, this is how you do it. And so you're going to see all through the chapter all the different things to say, if you want to pursue wisdom, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding. You're going to find all these little amazing statements. And chapter 3 is the same part here with verse 9. He says, if you want wisdom, if you want to live according to godly knowledge, honor God first. Honor God first. Some would say, well, Pastor Kevin, it's wise that I pay off my debt. Yes, it is wise that you pay off your debt. But can I tell you this? If you, if you shut God out and pay off your debt and leave him out of it, you're going to suffer in debt. There's something that supernatural happens. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, Dave Ramsey disagrees and blah, blah, blah. I want to come back and go, is Dave Ramsey God? He's a wise man. But can I tell you, there is no greater principles than the Word of God. And God says, honor me first, regardless of your situation. When we invest, there has to be a mindset change. When I invest today in the, in the normal world as we invest in retirement and all those sorts of things, can I tell you, I am American just like you. I'm human just like you that I invest in going, I want 10,000 return tomorrow. How many know that when you invest, it's a mindset, cha mindset change? There you're going, I'm playing the long game. I'm investing today, and I may not see or reap anything for the next 20 years. Can I tell you that that's exactly how it is in the kingdom of God? Yes, God comes, blesses, but it's a mindset change. So today I want to give you three mindset changes. Change your investment mindset. Number one, from not enough to more than enough. From not enough 
to more than enough. Your words will reveal your mindset. We just don't have enough. I wish I could give more, but money doesn't grow on trees, you know. If I give today, I'm going to go without tomorrow. Generosity will just never be part of my story. We just can't afford it. They are, they're, they're rich, and we're not, and that's why they can do what they do, and they get all the lucky breaks, and they can, they can, they can give, but you know, that's just not me. Can I tell you, your words reveal your mindset from, I just don't have enough, to know I'm blessed, and I have more than enough, that God's going to bless me, and I can do what He wants me to do. In God's economy, it's actually pretty interesting that because you, that, uh, that when you give to God, you don't lose anything. It's a shifting of mindset. It's coming back to go, no, there is something that's out there. And it's a step of faith. And I know that we wrestle with it and I know that we are challenged with it. But can I tell you this? There is no greater lesson than the lesson of faith. There's no greater lesson than the lesson of trusting God and, saying, and seeing God provide for you. It's not enough mindset as this, but Pastor Kevin, in this economy, with this inflation, inflation it can seem like maybe I'm just not, I, I, I can't be generous. I, I just can't even give 10%. I'm not even going to have ends meet. Perhaps if you had a higher income, Perhaps that uh, you had a bigger bank balance or maybe even had a bank balance, even just had a bank balance. Maybe if you had less debt or maybe those of you who have resources, maybe you're stepping back and going, you know, I'm just waiting for the economy to shift before I actually pull money out to give it. Can I tell you that if we are looking at the earthly circumstances, there's always going to be an excuse to say, I don't have enough. There's always an excuse. There's always going to be an expense. There's always going to be an opportunity to do something different rather than come back to go, no, God, I'm going to honor you because you're going to provide. You're going to, there's always more than enough. Today, I want to challenge this mindset that Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I think back in the 80s, there was a song that little is much when it's in the master's hand. Little is much when it's in the master's hand. I think of the scriptures. I began to think of that as Mark chapter 6, verse 34. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he said, you give them something to eat. They said to him that that, that would take more money, more than a half a year's wages. Is we to, uh, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found, found out, they had said they had five loaves and two fish. Many of us step back and we look at this parable or this story, and we get caught up in the miracle of the masses. But I want to draw you back to the simplicity of this, of this story. This, the simplicity of this story is actually the foundation is giving. It's a mindset shift. It's a change. It's coming back and going, no, you give them something. You do something. We can see the concept. We can see the, the contrast of mindset between the disciples' mindset and Jesus' mindset. The disciples come and go, Jesus, it's late. Send these needy people away. 
go, so they can go eat. And Jesus comes back and says, no, you give them something. Their mindset is, let them find it someplace else. And Jesus says, no, I want to bless them. Their mindset comes back and says, but Jesus, don't you realize that that's a half a year's wage? That's going to take everything that we have in our purse. And then Jesus comes back and he says, how many loaves do you have? And their mindset comes back and goes, Jesus, all we have is three loaves and two fish, five loaves and two fish. All we have is this. It's a concept that's a mindset change of differences. As we think of the story, I think immediately I've come to the place of the amount. And just like the disciples did and go, Jesus, this is insignificant. There is no possible way that this can work. In comparison to the need, it was not enough. In comparison to the need of where we're at, even in a shortfall of 2020, 2022, we go, the need is there. One little person is not going to change it all. Can I tell you today that that's the concept of this passage of Scripture? And he's going, if you will just not worry about the amount and just be faithful with your amount. There was an adequacy or an inadequacy, the adequacy depended on who touched it. In the boy's hands, it was just a few fish and a few loaves. When we talk about the loaves of fish, it was like a biscuit, not a loaf. In the apostles' hands, in the disciples' hands, it was just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. But in Jesus' hand, what happened? There were leftovers. It was more than adequate. And it all depended on the availability of the person to give. All dependent upon the availability and the willingness of that little boy to say, here's my sack lunch. And we come today and we say, but Pastor Kevin, I can't imagine that my tithe is going to make a whole lot of difference. Can I tell you that when it's in your hands, it may be insignificant. But when it's in the master's hands, it's more than, more than enough. He's the one that multiplies it. He's the one that puts God math to it. He's the one that changes the impact of it. Changing your mindset, number two, is from my resources to God's resources. We've kind of talked about this one in the past, but anybody here like it when your spouse volunteers you? How many have been a spouse that's volunteered your spouse for something? I love it with my, my, my kids. Rhonda knows my heart, so therefore she knows that she can volunteer me. But, oh, well, just ask dad. Dad'll do it. Dad'll fix it. Dad'll da da da. Can I tell you that it's easier to give someone else's stuff than it is to give your own? How many have discovered that? Oh, well, mom will do it. You're going, her time's useless anyway. My time's more valuable. Isn't that what we step back and we think about? Is we kind of come back and go, well, mine's more important than theirs. Changing the mindset from my resources to God's resources. The fact is this, it is easier to give away what doesn't belong to you. It's easier to give away what belongs to someone else. I think of this concept of, of giving to God and that God owns everything. Basically, what we're coming back to is this concept is that all of our resources, everything in your life belongs to him anyway. What it does is it shifts us from an owner to a steward. It shifts us from a fact that I possess this, that God is the one that possesses it, and I need to manage it wisely. 
David says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, he understood this concept. He says, but what I ha- but what, who I am and who my, who, uh, but, excuse me, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? He's not coming back and going, oh, look at us and how generous we are. His next statement defines it. Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. Today, when we talk about changing our mindset from not enough to more than enough, from, from uh, my resources to God's resources, that everything that you and I have, what's in your wallet at this moment, what's in your checking account at this moment, is not yours, it's God's. What's so amazing to me is this, is that God in His giving generous behavior doesn't come and say, okay, give me 100%. He says, I want the first fruits. Give me 10%. And I'm going to bless you so much that your 90% is going to go far further than your, than your 100% could ever go. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Kevin, but I give 20%. Can I tell you that God's going to bless your 80% and it's going to go further than your 100% ever could go. Whatever percentage it is, it comes back and God is going to be the one that pours out blessing. Number three, investment mindset number three. From I'll give when to I'll give now. Anybody ever make that statement? Well, I'll do it when. I'll do it when. I'll lose weight when. I'll go on a diet when. I'll get in shape when. I'll buy a new car when. What, anybody ever make that? We, we put the contingency plans on it. I want to come today. I want to challenge this mindset of I'll give when to I'll give now. Today is the moment of action. I know about you and I know about me. I know about our personalities and humanity is that we can make excuses and make excuses and put it off and put it off and put it off. And today I want to call you to a point of action. When we talk about this concept of repentance, yes, it's a continual process. How many are thankful that God is so gracious and that we can continue to come to him with repentance? But there is a place in time that God says, I want you just to do it now. Quit telling me you're sorry. Quit telling me you will. Would you just step out in obedience? What I've realized is this, is it takes faith to give for faith. It takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. It takes faith to give first. It takes faith to go, no, God, I'm giving you the very first 10%. I'm giving it before the end of the month. I'm giving it before I see all the bills come in. I'm giving it because, God, I know that as I give to you, you're going to expand this and you're going to provide for me. Giving first believes that God will always multiply the latter part. God calls us to use what we have in order to reach above and beyond. As I think of this, this concept in, Matthew, or in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's challenging them based upon a conversation he had with them a year before. He was, making, he was raising monies for the persecuted church in Jerusalem. And he's saying, will you send money? Will you, let's, let's, support this next, let's support this church in Jerusalem. And Paul comes and he writes in verse, starting with chapter 8, verse 8. He says, I'm not commanding you. Today as I communicate to you, I'm not coming and I'm not commanding you. I'm coming and I'm instructing according to the word of God. That's what Paul is basically doing. He says, I'm not coming to command you. He He says this though, I want to test the sincerity of your heart 
sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. I don't know about you, but in my humanity, I can read this passage of Scripture and I can go, Paul, you're manipulating these people. Pastor Kevin, you're trying to manipulate us today. I want to go back to the very fact of this. How many believe that the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit? That every word that has been spoken has been given for a reason? So if we're coming back and going, Paul, you're manipulating, then we're accusing God of being a a manipulator. Can't even talk. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. I can tell you what would be manipulative on my part if I were to come up here with a chart of what everyone gives and you can compare what you're giving to their giving and go, okay, let me manipulate you. Let's not try to outdo somebody else. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you were motivated, you were inspired. Verse 9, for you know the grace of the Lord, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. There's a lot more there to preach from, and I'm not going to stop there because I don't want to get caught up in a rabbit trail. But in verse 10, it goes on and says, and, there, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have, have the desire to do so. Verse 11, he says, now would you finish the work? Now would you finish it? So that, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Can I tell you what the Corinthian church, as we begin to look at this in, in commentaries, is the Corinthian church, they were all excited, they were all motivated, like, yeah, this is a good idea. And they kind of took an offering here and took an offering there, but they pledged an amount. They said they were going to give it a certain amount, and they didn't follow through. And Paul is coming back a year later. He's going, hey, you made a commitment to me, a commitment to this church. You made a commitment to God. Now I'm not just calling it. I don't want you just to be motivated by an idea. I want you to complete your idea. I want you to give in accordance to. I know that through this process of our 90-day challenge and through the process of even giving, that sometimes we can get inspired. We can do little spurts of, I'm going to give, and I'm so faithful in giving, and we see God's blessing on our lives, and then we step back and go, ah, I'm tempted not to trust in this month, and man, I could sure use that money, and I can give, and I can buy Christmas with it, or I can do whatever, and can I tell you, what happens is we don't finish on, finish off in our commitment, and our faithfulness, and our decision. This last point is for today, but it's for tomorrow. It's for Next year, it's this concept of living in an above and beyond mindset. That as you make a commitment to give, as you make a commitment to honor God, you're not giving to Relevant Life Church just to be Relevant Life Church. You're giving to the vision and the mission of what God's called us to give to. So I ask you today, what is it that's limiting your mindset in giving? What is it that limits your mindset? Your limit may be different than my limit, but I want to challenge you to push through these three mindsets. Today, you may be starting off with a tithe. Today, you may be one of those that signed up with a 90-day challenge. Today, you may be one of those that's saying, I'm not just going to give 10%, but I'm actually going to try and give 12%. I'm not going to give 12%. I'm going to give 15%. 
I'm going to give my 15% plus I'm going to give my offerings on top of that. Whatever it is, I want you to remember that in God's economy, when you give it to him, you don't lose anything. I want you to remember that it might be little and insignificant in your eyes, but when it touches in God's hands, it's going to be multiplied to something fantastic. It's enough. I want to remind you today also, challenge the mindset that you don't own it anyway. You don't own it. It's his. And lastly, would you put away the mindset that I'll do it when and just do it now? Would you just do it today? Would you make the commitment to do it today? Would you say, God, I'm going to walk in faithfulness today. I want to walk in obedience today. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow to be obedient. I'm going to wait. I'm going to do it today. The part that's a little bit difficult in that is the fact that we don't pass a tray and we're not here to go, hey, we want to. But can I tell you that oftentimes we can talk ourselves out of a heart commitment by the time we get our phone out and do the online giving. We can talk ourselves out of dropping an envelope in the green box before we even get there. Why? Because the enemy of your soul says, ah, do it later. I'll do it when. And can I tell you today, God's going, I want your obedience now. Whether that's in giving, whether that's in repentance, whether that's in forgiveness, whether that's in loving one another, God says, I want it today. I want it now. As I close, my prayer through this 90-day challenge is this, that you would see the ripple effect of your generosity and the vision of God. I always like to look back and see God's faithfulness in my life. I always like to look back and go, God, look at where we are at. I always like to go back and go, God, you know, I remember when, when Ron and I made this pledge and we gave this and how God supernaturally brought about the amount just in God math to fix it. Can I tell you, there's already been testimonies that people said, you know, we're, we're giving our 10%. We're going we're gonna to start tithing. There's been testimonies of people that are going, no, we increase and, 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 and so-and-so got, a, got, a, got a, a bonus or so-and-so got this on their jobs. And what they're realizing is, number one, is that that bonus or that blessing is attached to their giving, but it's not a result of their giving. Proverbs chapter 3. Bring us back as we close. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything. With the best part. Across this room, would you stand to your feet? I want to ask you a question this morning as your eyes are closed. How do you feel that you are honoring God? How do you feel that you're honoring God? Second question is this. Are you giving him the best that you can give? Are you giving him the best? If you will care about what God cares about, he'll care about what you care about. God, today across this room, I thank you that you are a God that is a faithful God. I thank you that you're a God that we can, that you give us so much 
You pour out blessings upon our lives. And God, today I pray, God, for individuals in this room that they would come with hearts to honor you. They would come with hearts to put you first, to publicly acknowledge who you are with their lives, with their priorities, with how they, how they live their lives. And God, today I also pray, God, would you speak to them about their best? Speak to them about their best. God, speak to me about my best. And God, today I pray, would you pour out blessing? Would you pour out strength? God, we pray that you will provide every ounce of the need for Relevant Life Church. God, I pray that you'd provide every ounce of the need for every person that is in this room. God, as they are faithful to you, as they give, God, would you meet their very needs, I pray. As they give your tithes and they give their offerings, God, would you multiply blessings upon their lives. And God, we thank you for it today. And all God's people said, Amen, amen. Remember to register for Jingle Jam this week if you have not done so. Remember, if you, if you want to go, put yourself on a waiting list. If, the, if everything fills up, we will make sure that we'll try to, fill, try to find slots for you as well. We want everyone to be able to come and participate. God bless you. Have a great day. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.